If you've been with us, I want you to open the book of 2 Corinthians. If you've been with us, uh, we've been studying this book verse by verse. We've been taking our time because it's that good and it's that rich. When you have a rich meal, you don't rush through it. You savor each and every bite. And uh, we believe that every word spoken here is from the, from the mouth of God. He spoke it through his servants. He spoke it through humans. Uh, but it, it nevertheless is the God-breathed word of God. And uh, it's directly inspired by him. So uh, we can take our time and read every verse and get something out of it. And that's what we've been doing. As we go through the, the letter, the second letter to the Corinthian church, you're going to find out a lot about what ministry is like. You're going to find out it's not always easy. You're going to find out it's full of glory. You're going to find out there are obstacles, but God is bigger than every one of those obstacles. You're going to find out there are perils, but God is a rescuer from perils. You're going to find out that it is not something that the world may want to do when they look at it, but you're going to find out there are rewards. And they're also going to see what to expect of a minister, what to expect of yourself as a minister of God. In 2 Corinthians, there's a lot spoken, particularly about apostles and those that handle the word, those that preach the word to you, apostles, pastors, teachers, about, about those that will, who has, whose responsibility it is to minister the word of God to you. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about some of those things because the Apostle Paul made it very clear that there were some standards that he met and he had to meet as an apostle of God, there were some things that he needed to let his life be seen. You know, he didn't, he didn't say, you know, I'm going to preach to you, and then my private life is my private life. You know, that's not his attitude. He says, look, I am who you think I am. I am what you see. And he lets himself be seen because he really believes, and this is the truth, that Christ in me is the hope of glory, that, that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And so you can look at my life, and it will back up what I preach. And you need to hold everybody that preaches to you, you need to, you need to keep that standard up there, that their life backs up what they preach. Because we're not preach, preaching an empty gospel. We're preaching a real, powerful word of God. And, and it's not just for those that preach it. It's for everyone who will receive it. And so... We're going to read a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, and the reason that a lot of this stuff is being brought up is because the Apostle Paul's ministry was being challenged. It was being challenged by a lot of people. Uh, there were some big shots that had come in, and there were self-proclaimed big shots, and we know what those guys are like, right? And they've got the flashy website. They've got the slick hair. They've got, you know, they've got the right words. They've got the you know, the, the good intro song. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. You could be a, a solid person, still have those things. But uh, I'm talking about these guys obviously didn't have a website. They obviously didn't have uh, probably too fancy of hair. But what they did have was an arrogance. And um, they came in really not just to promote themselves, but actually to put down apostles like Paul and to cause division in the church. And the apostle Paul, as strange as it may seem to us, because we think he's, you know, He's up there, right? We, we really respect this guy. I'm not offended if you, if you would outright say, if we had a choice between him being our pastor and you, we choose Paul. That doesn't offend me. Not, I, would, I would agree with you. Yeah, right on. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes in hindsight, we really put people on a pedestal. But at the time, uh, he had some real opposition and some people that were really against him. And um, he and the people that that were with him. And so this letter 
is, is a lot of explaining what ministry is like. It's a lot of him having to defend himself. And so you say, well, what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with me? I'm not, I'm not living in that day and age, or I'm not uh, an apostle. What, why do I have to read this? Well, I believe that it, it, it got there in the Bible for a reason. But you've got to remember, the Apostle Paul's not writing to other apostles. He's writing to a church. A church full of normal, regular people. None of us are really normal or regular, are we? Thank God. We're not normal or regular. We're filled with His Spirit. We're anointed. You're called. You've been called with a heavenly calling. Nobody here is just normal and regular. You are who He made you to be, and that's pretty powerful. But this letter was not written just to a select group of Christians. It was written to the church at large, and specifically the church in Corinth. And so this is edifying to us. It's profitable for us. Let's read it and see what we can get out of it, all right? 2 Corinthians 1, we left off last week in verse 12. That's where we, we stopped in verse 11. And you know uh, what we read about last week, how he and his, whoever was with him were convinced they were going to die. They were they thought this is it. They had the sentence of death not only over them, but within them. And he says, we, we learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And sure enough, God, who raises the dead, rescued them from so great a peril. And, and Paul is bold enough to say, not only did he rescue us, but he will rescue us, and he will yet deliver us. In other words, he delivered us, he's delivering us right now, and in the future, we know he will deliver us. He says this in verse 12. He says, For our proud confidence is this. Another translation says, We boast in this. The testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand, and I hope you will understand at the end just as you partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. In this confidence, I intended to first come to you so that you may twice receive a blessing. Let's stop there for a minute. Let's analyze what we read. He says, here's, what we're, here's our proud confidence. Here's why we're not ashamed. He says that we have a testimony of our conscience. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The testimony of our conscience. What does conscience mean? Well, we've got different ideas of what your conscience is. But in this case, let's just keep it simple. It's that self-awareness of how, you've, how you live, how you walk, how you talk, uh, how your life backs up what you're preaching. He said that, that our conscience is our testimony. That, here's, here's, our, here's what the testimony says, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Let's look at that. Here's what he's able to, to, to say about himself, and he's not ashamed to say it. He's not trying to hide anything. He says, look at us. This is our confidence. This is our proud confidence. If we're going to say anything to you, it's this. That the testimony of our conscience bears this out. Look at our lives. We're not just up there preaching something and then going backstage and doing something else. Look at our lives. He says, in holiness and godly sincerity. Let's look at those two words. Now, can I ask you a question? Yes, I can. Just did, and we'll do another. Had you any ability to be holy without Jesus? 
you were a really nice person, really good person, better than anybody else, could you be holy? No. You have no capability of your, in yourself to be holy without Him. But of course, what He did on the inside of you was recreate you not in a better image of yourself, but in His image. And that recreation was perfect. That spirit inside of you became new and holy. And the Bible says it was recreated in holiness and likeness of the truth. Godliness of the truth, it looks like Him. We've been talking on Sundays in the past couple weeks about how your mind plays into this. Because you are a spirit. That's who you are. That's what God made you to be. He gave, you a, he gave that spirit a brain, a mind. And we call the soul, the mind, will, the emotions. That's, he gave that to you. And you live in a body because you couldn't survive on the planet without one. There are no holy ghosts walking around other than the Holy Ghost, right? So you don't have any, any, any saints of God just walking around without a body because they just got so holy they didn't need one anymore. You, we, we need these. We will have these until either we die or Jesus comes again. In which instance, we get a new one. This will be fun, right? I need a new one. I'm ready for a trade-in. Already, I'm only 30, but I'm ready for a trade-in. That new one's going to be sweet. I'm real excited about that. I can, I can live with this one for longer. Don't worry about me. Don't, don't start a prayer chain or something. I'm good. You can start a prayer chain, but just don't worry about it. I'll stick around for a lot more years. I'm just excited about that new body. <laughs> so you are a spirit. You have a soul, you live in a body, right? Well, who you really are is that spirit. And that spirit was made new the moment you received Jesus. The Bible says you still must renew that mind. Because your mind still is stuck in the old ways. Thank God, God has given you the word by which you can wash that mind. Clean it. He's, he's got, gave you the Holy Spirit that regenerates and causes life to come into those places. And so you, you may have had the weirdest thoughts before. You may have had the weirdest habits and addictions and all of these things. And God is able to make all of that new again. You're new on the inside. What you've got to do is let your mind be renewed to the way he thinks. And what we've been talking about is the fact that you have to learn to let the spirit part of you guide every other part of you. You need to listen to the Spirit rather than listening to your brain first. I love your brain. Your brain is good. I'm not anti-thinking. I'm not anti-brain. not anti-science. I love that. But you must first look to the Spirit. That's the part of you that's new. That's the part of you that, whose eyes are open. That's the part of you that's really alive. That's the part of you that God speaks to. Can we settle something? Does God see what we don't see? Does God know what we don't know? And if we trust that, we know this, that when I don't know where to go or where I even think I know where to go, He knows better. And if I want to know where He wants me to go, if I want to be what He made me to be, I've got to look to the Spirit. The Bible says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, self-control. These are the fruits of a spirit-led life. Fruits of the flesh, he says, are things like lying, and malice, and envy. I mean, they're terrible things. So we, don't, we, we decide, 
I don't have to follow the flesh anymore. I can follow the Spirit. And out of the Spirit comes fruit. You know, you don't have to force fruit to come out. You don't have to go to your orange tree. Now, none of us have orange trees, right? Because it's like minus 28 outside. But that would be a silly investment, wouldn't it? But if you did, you wouldn't have to go out to the back and give a lecture to your orange tree. I really wish you'd try harder. I really wish you'd stop producing pears and start producing oranges because, guys, if it's producing pears, it's not an orange tree, right? It's not just a misguided orange tree. It's just not an orange tree. An orange tree naturally produces the fruit, and it doesn't really have to try hard or think about it. It's just a tree. It naturally happens. I'm going to tell you this. What naturally should come out of a renewed spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, all these good things against which there is no law, all of that comes out of the Spirit. So what you've got to do is let the Spirit rule instead of letting your brain run the show or your, God help us, the body run the show. Because when the body runs the show, you, you act a little bit more like an animal every day. You eat when you want to eat and you do other things. Anyways, so I love what he says here. He says we're walking in, he says our testimony of our conscience in other words, we know this about ourselves. And I can tell you that just what we're saying is who we really are. We've been walking in holiness. Well, like I said, you were made holy on the inside. The moment you make the decision to live out of the Spirit and listen to the voice of God instead of listening to just what you've always done or listening to what everybody else does, the moment you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus and He put His Spirit in me, I can follow, I can go where he wants me to go, I can do what he wants me to do. That moment, you'll find yourself living out what you believe. You'll find yourself living out who you really are on the inside. If you want to know the difference between authentic and fake, the difference between authentic and fake all depends on who you are, doesn't it? Because while that guy playing for the Oilers puts on an oiler uniform and puts on skates and shows up at Rexall Place and plays a game. He's authentic. But if I were to put on that uniform and put on skates, and, and nothing wrong with that, but if I were to tell everybody I was an oiler, that's fake, right? Now, we're both doing the same thing, but one of us is fake and one of us is authentic. The difference is, who are we? Who, who are we really? Am I trying to be something I'm not? Am I trying to be something I am? And so you've got to decide who you are. Am I who Jesus says I am? Am I righteous? Why am I righteous? Well, because he made me righteous. He became sin that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If I'm righteous, if, I mean, in the Scripture, all through the New Testament, it calls you saints. How comfortable are you if I said Saint Spiro? How comfortable are you with that? St. Levi, St. Michael. How comfortable are you with those titles? I said all men, so let me go St. Mary, St. Denny. All right, so now we've evened it, St. Brownie. We've evened it up. How comfortable would you be with that title? Have we got it in our heads that only people that do really good things for all their life and do a couple miracles, those are the saints? Or do we believe that no matter how good of a life you lived, you couldn't be a saint? You had to embrace the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus and let Him make you holy. Because I don't care how many nice things you did, you don't meet the mark that Jesus set. 
which was a sinless life. So if I'm going to be called the saint like the scripture calls all the Christians here, I've got to embrace the fact that he made me holy. And I'm holy by his blood. But if that's who I am, then you know what's real and what's fake? What's fake is for me to act like the rest of the world when inside I'm the righteousness of God. It's the weirdest thing, and I I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, and I'm really not going to call anybody out here. But it's the weirdest thing for me when a preacher, and, and you may be shocked by this, but there are a few, feel that they need to drop some swear words into their sermon to be real. Because that's real if that's who you are. But if I believe that Jesus made me righteous, he made me clean, that's not who I am. Even if it was who I was, it's not who I am now. You want to know what's real? What's real is I can say things I never could say before because his spirit's in me. I can do things I could never do before because his spirit lives in me. and He empowers me. His grace has empowered me to live a life I never could live before, and that's real. Anything else is a denial of who I really am. I refuse to deny the fact that Jesus made me new. I refuse to deny the power of the cross in my life. The Apostle Paul says, look at our lives. This is the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness. In other words, he made us holy, but thank God, that holiness didn't just stay inside in some little corner. It worked its way out into our life. And godly sincerity. Think about what that means. Sincerity, we've got some Greeks in the house. Sincerity, that the word used there comes from two words. Basically means to be judged. I mean, if you looked at it literally, and I realize not every word, come, you, you judge it literally, but if you looked at it literally, that word meant to be judged by the light. Some people say that was when they'd hold a pot up to the light, to the sunlight. Uh, judged by the sunlight, sorry. Some people say was when they held a pot up to the sunlight and the, uh, the ones that had wax filling the cracks, you wouldn't know just looking at it because sometimes they'd crack pottery and they'd fill it in with wax and that was an inferior product and so you'd hold it up to the sun and you could see where the wax was and you'd say, no, you're jipping me, you're ripping me off. No, I, I want something else. But we could look at it both ways. I mean, sunlight, you're out in the open, right? You're not hiding in the shadows. You're not hiding in darkness. You're saying, all right, my life is open. You've got to recognize that no preacher or minister or Christian is perfect in everything they do. We're all growing. But there's nothing wrong with having a standard. It's godly to have a standard, especially for those that have authority over you. You must have a standard. And I say that as somebody that's opening himself up for something here. But I'm going to tell you, those that preach the word to you have got to live a life that backs up what they preach have to and you as ministers of the gospel and wherever God's put you whatever job he's put you in whatever situation he's put you whatever family he's put you in you are ministers in your own right and God wants to work through you not just to say the right things but to back it up with how you live it's not what got you saved it's not what keeps you saved but it sure is fruit and evidence that you are saved here's what it says God in holiness and godly sincerity. Which means you look at our lives and they're not just a good human life, but it's a godly life. The only way it could be godly 
is if he's doing something through you. You can't try hard enough to have a godly life. You've got to let God do something in your life. Listen to this. If you ever felt that this was just somebody who tried harder than everybody else, listen to this. Not in fleshly wisdom, which means I didn't sit down and think, how would a good person live and try to imitate that life? Not in fleshly wisdom, but what? Not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Praise God. That's the only way you can live a life like that. You try your best, you think your best to to do what you think is right, and you will fall down. But he says, we're not living our life by some standard we made up. We're living a life in the grace of God. He's empowered us to be what we could never be. His power is working in us. He's working in us. And though we are flawed human beings, as Apostle Paul says in another place, he says, in my weakness, I found out that he is strong. In fact, his power is perfected in my weakness. And so those places where I lacked, those places where I was flawed, God can make up that difference. It's cool to know your personality, isn't it? Anybody ever do the personality test? Figure out what you, why you act the way you act? We did one when I first was at a job in, uh, back in 2002. And in that job, we did personality profiles and all of that. And it was almost spooky, the way it pinned you down. Like, you answer a few questions, and all of a sudden, it, like, knows what your favorite movies are, practically. I mean, it knows what makes you happy. It knows what might frustrate you and... And the way it was was because there's just kind of basic personalities, and these are the kind of people that like to be communicated quick and to the point. These are the people that like a story. You know, these are the people that, uh, you know, like to have some credit. These are some people that like to kind of stay to the background. And, and it was funny working in a, in a job because you finally understood why people talked the way they did and why they responded a certain way. So it kind of helped. But the temptation is to go to that and say, because they had these positives, here's what's positive about this personality type. You know, playful, diplomatic, w- good communication skills, all this, but here are the cons. And you know, for the first couple weeks that we had those personality profiles, you'd have something that would go wrong, and everybody would be like, well, you know how I am. It's just my, it's my personality profile. I can't help myself. I was born this way. Blame God. He made me. And apparently he had only four types to pick from. He picked this one for me. Live with it. We had to learn that, yeah, that's who you are in the flesh. It's helpful to know that because it helps you communicate with people. It really was a helpful thing. Helped us to know, oh, this is why, this is why that person likes for quick responses. So it really did help, and I was glad we did it. But you also have to learn not just to fall back and say, well, that's who I am. I'm always going to be that way. That's who you are in the flesh. God can use people that just don't look like they fit the job. He can use them to do things that confound everybody else. The Bible says, Paul writes in the first letter to these guys, he said, not many of you were wise, not many of you were noble, not many of you were mighty. I mean, you guys were just, you were dumb, you were weak, You were backward hillbillies, and yet God used you to make everybody else amazed. 
So God's not depending on your personality profile. He's not trying to find somebody that fits just the right way. He can do what you can't do. Do you know the Apostle Paul, as good of a Jew as he was, could not keep the law completely? As, as great of a Pharisee as he was, oh, he may have been more zealous than everybody else, but he even said, in my own self, I can't do it. What I hate to do, I do. But he says, thanks be to God, that's not who I am anymore. Thanks be to God, I can live according to the Spirit. When he received Jesus, he became something he wasn't before. And every one of us can be, can walk in that same path of holiness, of godly sincerity, which means I am what you see. What you see is what you get. I'm, if I can preach to you something, I can guarantee it's working my life. That's a tough thing in your own self to think that way. But I want, to, I want you to put some faith in Jesus. Put a lot of faith in Jesus. You ever feel like, you ever sit there in church and somebody says something from the scripture and immediately you go straight to your brain and go, how am I ever going to do that? But yet your spirit's coming alive. And you're jumping on the inside, but your brain's going, that's, that's dumb, you'll never do that. You know that battle? I know what that's like. I felt the same thing. You've got to know your spirit's right about this. Because God who spoke to Lazarus come forth. God who spoke light into a world void of light. God who spoke to the lame man and said, walk. God who spoke to leprous and said, be cleansed. It's the same God that speaks to you through his word. If he says, this is who you are, you can. If you've never been able to before, if you've never ever, ever to see yourself that way before, you can now. brain goes, no, that's not who you are. You look at the apostles. We talked about this. We talk about this a lot. But you look at them. Only, only weeks before Pentecost, they're hiding. They're afraid. They're ashamed. Peter, Peter, like, curse, cusses out a little girl, a little slave girl, because he's afraid that he'll get identified with Jesus. And yet, week, just a few weeks later, they receive the Holy Spirit. And they're standing up there preaching in front of thousands. Don't you ever say, I can't do that. Don't you ever say, I'm too shy. Don't you ever say, I have too many bad habits. Don't you ever say, I'm too weak. Because don't, don't look at yourself like that anymore. Start looking at Jesus. And have high expectations of Jesus. See, see in all these things, you might say, well, I guess what he's saying is I need to have high standards of myself. I'm telling you, you need to have high expectations, not of yourself, but of Jesus in you. You need to set your expectations a little bit higher because some of you think this is all I can do. This is as good as I can go. This is where I am right now. And you know what? I accept you where you are, but I'm going to tell you there, this life is an upward growth life. It is consistently upward. It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You start where you are, but you never stay in the same place. You continually move forward in Him. And I'm going to guarantee you, if you'll have high expectations of Christ in you, you'll find that your expectations are being met because your expectations are of Him, not of yourself. See, the reason Paul was able to lead this life uh, that had a holy conscience of godly sincerity is because he learned to put his trust in Jesus. 
If I can put my trust in Jesus, I can believe that I can overcome that temptation. I can believe that addiction does not have a hold on me anymore. I can believe that I can love people that I should hate. I can believe that everything I used to just naturally do, I don't have to anymore because Christ in me is my hope. It's my hope of glory. It's my hope of a life lived in the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Spirit. Your standards for yourself are low. Change your standards. Not only just, don't just lift your own standards. Like I said, look at the standards you and the expectations you have for Jesus. Because he's the one that wants to live through you. Paul says, I'm confident in this. He called his conscience, he called it a testimony, which means this is a witness to all these people. We've lived what we've preached in holiness and godly sincerity, but not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Thank God for His grace. Can we thank God for His grace? Because that's what's doing it in us. That's what's taking losers and making them winners. That's what's taking sinners and making them righteous. We're not sinners anymore. You know what? It's popular to say, even amongst believers, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, but I can't find that in the New Testament. All I can find is that I was a sinner. When I got saved by grace, I became something else. And even if I go back to that sin, my identity didn't change. Because as long as you see yourself as a sinner, you will sin. That's what you do, right? If I see myself as a pig, I will act like a pig. If I see myself as a dog, I will act like a dog. If I see myself as a human, I tend to walk upright and talk to people, look them in the eye. As long as you think you're an animal, you'll act like one. You need to know you're changed on the inside. You're not a sinner anymore. So stop acting like a sinner. He says, By the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially towards you. You see there's two groups here? The world and you. (laughs) When he says you, he's talking about you believers, you Christians. But he says also toward the world. So, you know, no matter where we are, we don't just put on our Christian act when we're around Christians. If it's a Christian act, something's broken. If you feel like you're having to act this out, something's wrong. Because I'm going to tell you, that life is so hard. That life is impossible. That life will drain everything out of you. That life will bust you up if you are trying to act like a Christian. It's going to burn you out. You know why? Because that's somebody who thinks they aren't one trying to act like one. But if you know who you are by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the blood of Jesus, you'll live out who you are. If you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. If I start believing that's who I really am, I'm not going to say everything magically goes away, because the Bible does say you have to renew your mind. You have to discipline your body. The Bible says, I buffet my body. I make it my slave. Sometimes you've got to put some effort into that. But it's the grace of God that does the work in you. It's the grace of God that does the transforming. Remember what we read before? It is not. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't transform yourself. You can't change to another species, but God can do that. 
thank God. He says, we've conducted ourselves. Conducted ourselves. What does that mean to you? It's how we act. It's how we live. You notice he's not, he didn't say one word about his preaching here. Because all the other fancy apostles were talking about how great of a sermons they preached. How big the crowds were. In fact, he gets criticized later. They tell him, this is the criticism. Criticism. Criticizing. That's a new word. That's when you, you're mad at somebody, so you criticize them, right? That's, anyways. That's the criticism they, they had of him. They said, whoa, he, his letters, when he writes these letters, they're so bold, they're so strong. But you know when he shows up, he's weak, he shines quietly. They're making fun of him about this. And here, he didn't say a word about his little sermons. Sermons are important. Messages are important. Preaching is important. But he doesn't say a word about his preaching. He's saying, you know what you can look at? You know what I've preached. Now look at what I, how I've lived, how I've conducted myself. It backs up what I preach. Can I tell you, if God trusted you, and he did, we're going to read that later on in this letter, but if God trusted you with the gospel as an ambassador for him, if he trusted you with his name, believe me, he wouldn't have done that if he wasn't going to stick with you and help you live that out. He wouldn't have done it if he was just saying, I'm going to give it to you and then just run wild. No, no, no. He's with you. You can. You will. You must. Not only bear that name by what you say, but live it. Let it, let it be around you. As it says in Titus, it says to adorn your doctrine. He's talking to people. He was talking about people in a, in a rough situation. He was talking to slaves. And he says, you know what? It's not right that you're a slave, but here's how you live out your, here's how you live out what you believe. Even as a slave, God has made you a prince. God has made you royalty. So here's how you live it out. And he says, in, in this way, and he tells them what to do. He says, in this way, you will adorn your doctrine. That means here's what you believe, but you're wearing it. It's all over you. God created you for this. That when you go out and preach his name, when you go out and pray in his name, when you go out and spread this beautiful gospel, don't be afraid that you're going to mess it up. Because if you can trust God, as Paul trusted God, the grace of God is big enough that I can preach this and let, live a life that backs it up if I'll let him live through me. That'll be my testimony of conscience. Look up the word conscience in the New Testament sometime. Plug it into your concordance. Plug it into your website. Look up conscience. See how many times it talks about ministers needing to live up to a certain standard. If you aspire to this, James says, don't let everybody think, don't let everybody want to be teachers. It's a tough job. But if you aspire to ministering in whatever area God puts you in, hold yourself to his standard, not your own. And believe that no matter who you were, no matter how bad you were, no matter how weak-willed you were, no matter how weak-willed you might have been, even up till tonight, God is able to do what you can't do. Put your trust in Him. Say, God, if I'm going to preach your name, I want to live a life that bears your name and reflects your name. I want the testimony of Jesus to be confirmed in my life. If I'm preaching that the cross has power and the resurrection has power, 
I want people to be able to not just hear it, but see it. And you know as well as I do. <laughs> Some of you have got family you've been talking to for a long time, praying for a long time. Some of you have got friends that you feel tired of saying the same thing to them. Somebody once said this, and I thought it was a very wise thing. I don't remember who said it. But they said, sometime, at some point, people will stop listening to you, but people will never stop watching. The gospel can be preached with your life. If I trust God, that every word I say when I'm up here preaching, that he's able to, to preach through me, that's not a weird thing. Scripture says that. Scripture says that's not how you're supposed to preach. Peter said, let the man who preaches preach as if God is speaking through him. So if I can trust God that he can speak through me, if you can trust God that he can, he can speak through you when you're sharing the gospel, then trust the same way that he can live through you. This is not a show we're putting on. In the next chapter, he's going to say, we're not just peddling this word. And he uses that word sincerity again. He's not, he says, we're not just peddling a nice message. We're not just snake oil salesmen. This is for real. I'm going to tell you that's the coolest thing in the world. And I want all of you to know it's possible. Don't feel condemned when you hear this. Don't feel condemned by your past witness. Instead, reject condemnation. If you need to repent, do it. But don't, don't hear this and be condemned and go, I've never lived up to my, I've preached, but I haven't lived it. Oh, I'm, I'm such a terrible person. No, let's look forward then. If you need to talk to God about that, you do that. But look forward and say, from this moment on, I'm going to trust God that His Word is not just going to be preached from my mouth, but confirmed in my life. And what a beautiful thing when you can say to people, you want to know what He's done? Look at me. Oh, isn't that arrogant? Read the, read the book of Acts, guys. Read the New Testament. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, if you don't believe what I say, believe the works. If you don't believe my words, believe the works that I've done. And then he goes on and he says to his disciples, you're going to do the same and greater works than these will you do. So he didn't say, preach it without the works. I'm not talking about dead works. I'm not talking about the works of the law. I'm talking about the works that Jesus did. Going about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Don't you know that's you too? You've got Jesus living in you? Oh, man. He's just, he's just waiting for you to just give him free reign and say, okay, Jesus. If you've got something in your life, because I've talked to many believers who are ashamed because they've got things in their life they feel are a bad witness. I understand that. That's not a bad thought because if Christ has set us free, there should be freedom in our lives. Do you know what? I want you to do two things. If the Holy Spirit's pointing that out right now, that's a good thing. That means He's able to take it. He's able to get you over that. He's able to break through you trust him. Here's the other thing, though. It's okay to acknowledge that you're in a state of grace. It's okay to acknowledge. Now, here's, here's what's not okay. For you to say something and willingly do the opposite. That's hypocrite. That's being a hypocrite. 
But if you say, you know what, I am, I am growing. And by the grace of God, I am moving from grace to grace, from glory to glory. And there are things at this age that I did that I don't do at this age anymore. And I'm going to look back on my life in five years and go, I can't believe I did that. But I'll know that if you were to look at my life, and if you look at any of your life, it should look like this. Steadily upward. And I believe that's a good witness. I believe that's a good witness. If right now you're feeling something on the inside, something's being poked, I want you to trust Jesus that he can help you. You can be free from that. Because you know what? If you're thinking of it that way, then you don't want to do it. If you feel like you have to do it because you're bound to it, you're addicted to it, or you're, you're caught in it, you can be free. I believe in the freedom that, that's preached here. I believe that Jesus is able to break every chain in your life. You can be free. Trust Jesus. Don't trust your willpower. Don't trust your own ability to break through. Trust him. He can do and will do whatever he's promised. And the sun sets free is free indeed. So no matter where you are in your life right now, if you're just starting out and you say, I got so many problems, I probably shouldn't preach to anybody. Get rid of that notion. Get rid of that notion right now. If you've been called by his name, you've been given his name. Freely you've received and freely given. If you've got some issues to work out, walk them through with Jesus. Be honest about your life. Just be honest with him and say, all right, Lord, let's do it. We're on a journey together. Don't be condemned into shutting your mouth. If you're shamed into keeping your mouth quiet, that's not Jesus. That's the, that's the other guy. Some of you, now listen, some of you like to stay in a certain place when God's telling you to grow. Here's an example. And I, I, I don't remember any of you specifically saying this to me, although I know some of you must have because it's in my head here. So, but please don't be embarrassed when I say this because I don't remember who said it. But I've heard many Christians say this. Now, I don't have a fish on the back of my car, and it's not for any other reason than I just don't put things in my car. And I find other ways to preach Jesus <laughs> rather than a fish. I've never met anybody that said, I saw a fish on the highway, and I, I pulled over and said, what must I do to be saved? But you know what? I also kind of think it's cool when I see somebody with a fish because I go, they're a believer, and it, it starts a conversation. So it's cool. I like it. I'm not against it. All right? But I've heard many believers say, well, I don't put any Christian bumper stickers of fish on my car because of the way I drive. Stop driving that way. What you're saying is, I had to choose between doing what the Bible says and being able to call myself a Christian or not letting anyone know I was a Christian and getting away with it. This is a no-brainer. Do the right thing. I don't know what's so hard about that. No condemnation, guys. But you know the scripture that says obey the laws? It kind of applies to everything. As long as it's not breaking the law of God. So if you feel that it's the law of God that you need to drive 130, then we might have a conversation. But I can guarantee you, if you're already feeling like I'm not, I'm not living up to the standard, I don't I want people to know I'm a Christian. Start just, here's the easy solution. Instead of peeling the fish off, 
Just do the right thing. That's easy. That's not rocket science. <laughs> it's weird that people make that choice, right? Like a Peter's walking around, you know? I know I was sent here to preach the gospel. I don't want to punch that guy, though. So, How do I do both? I can't. So I'm not preaching. All right, I'm going to punch this guy. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Choose to be a witness. Thank God. I don't want to get too far on that. I want that to take over the message, but I want you to know that Christ in you is your hope of glory. Christ in you is your hope of righteousness. Christ in you is your hope of wisdom, of strength, of goodness. All those fruits of the Spirit are yours for the taking if you'll be led by the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something beautiful that comes out of that. Not only does that... Not only does that draw you closer to Him as you're letting Him transform you and change you, but it also is a testimony for the world. That, man, you know what sets them apart from everything, every other religion? I see the power of Jesus in their life. I see the gospel in their life. I'm not just hearing it, I'm seeing it. And some of you have told me some of those testimonies, how you've gone back to your old, your old group, your old gang, your old friends. And just who you were preached a bigger message than anything you could have ever said. And that's a good thing. We believe in a powerful gospel. We believe in a resurrected spirit. We believe that if I was, and I'll close with this thought, the Bible says I was crucified with Christ. My old self with its old ways got nailed to the cross, but it says I was also raised with him. And the two things go together because as I was, my old self was crucified. When I was raised with him, I got his identity. I got a new self. I got a new name. You know what? Nothing's impossible with him. And through him, I'm more than a conqueror. Through him, I can do everything he says I can do. And I will be somebody that bears his name, not just with my words, but with my life. And my conscience will bear testimony that this gospel we preach is a living and powerful gospel. We do not serve a dead God or dead religion or dead philosophy. We serve a living God. Trust Him. Put your expectations of Him high, sky high and watch what He does. Amen.